Hello and welcome to the Fire Officer Project Podcast, a show where we will discuss and learn together about topics specific to the American Fire Service. Come along as we explore areas such as firehouse traditions and culture, the fire family life, leadership, as well as getting yourself ready to be the company officer. This show is for everyone from the rookie firefighter to newly promoted officers. I'm your host, Mark McCurdy. Now let's get on with the show. Hello, and welcome to this installment of the Fire Officer Project. This will be show five, and it's titled Expectations. Pretty straightforward. We're going to talk about expectations that you may have of yourself, ones uh, that you're expecting of your crew, what your bosses have expectations of, and just kind of how to meld that all together. So I hope you enjoy the show. Remember to leave any questions, comments, either on the email or on Instagram, and I'll leave all that information at the end of the show. All right, well, here we go. Episode five, expectations. And in the intro, you heard kind of uh, a group of topics I was going to talk about, and I'm trying to keep myself on point. So I, this time, typed it out instead of handwritten everything out and kind of all there. So I'm going to be referring to my notes a little bit because this subject, I don't want to start something and then say, I'll get back to it because I know I suck at that. So I need to kind of keep it on point. So I might take a little pause here and there to just read my notes to make sure I'm covering everything that I am thinking about, but I got to make sure I get it out. So first off, I wanted to say thank you. Thank you for listeners and people that have downloaded to you, the audience, uh, downloaded, shared it, whatever it may be. We just hit over 600 downloads off of the five shows. Four of them are regular shows and one was kind of a bonus episode. And I appreciate that. I mean, 600, that's great. I can't believe that many people have found this and then have listened. And I've gotten some comments, which is great. I've gotten some interactions on email, great, positive, constructive criticism, which I'm willing to take because I'm still learning. Like literally I'm sitting with my computer, a microphone, notes that I've written, and I'm sitting in our guest bedroom. That's how easy it is to make this work if you want to call it grassroots or whatever it is, but I got a feeling that a lot of people are doing the same. Now, do I need a giant studio? Does anybody? No. One day, would it be nice? Sure. And soon, and I keep saying soon, I know you're probably tired of hearing it. I'm figuring out how to do interview stuff. So I want to get these few things out here. I got to do some investing on buying a few more things and then take that jump forward again. So I wanted to say thank you. Thank you for the 600 downloads that you've had so far. And it's crazy to look because I'm able to track where, and we've already reached international. um, Some of the shows have been downloaded as far as Egypt. It's crazy to see that. And to look at all the locations of where people are listening. And for the U.S. side, I've pretty much touched coast to coast. I haven't said I've touched every state. Maybe I'll start doing that and keeping track of everything. But does it really matter? No. But what I would ask is if... uh, you're, you're getting anything out of this. If you wouldn't mind on the review side or at the end of the podcast, you can review it, stars, write a comment that you suck or whatever it may be. That's just going to help to push this thing forward. But I don't expect you to do that if you're not getting anything out of it. And I know it's early to ask of that. So if you have comments or constructive criticism, please send it to me and I'll give you the email and the Instagram account and everything at the end. Because I'm willing to take that. I just need to see how to make this work. So what's been going on recently? 
Uh, today is December 8th, and a few less than a week ago, um, well, let me back up. We have a Captain's Academy in place right now. 25 people were promoted. A couple days before they started the Academy, we were able to grab um, about half of them and do some operations class stuff, so simulations. And we hit it hard at uh, my station here, myself and another captain. And we put up scenarios and let them work through those things. And and that's it kind of got jammed up last minute because we thought the promotions were going to be delayed, but they weren't. And then so that's what we've done. We actually had a physical class. And I'm working on stuff like that and trying to get that out more, maybe with Zoom or just putting more stuff on Instagram of showing those things. But my biggest platform is also going to be this. <clears throat> so... um we might as well just jump into it. So recently, like I said, I've, I've received some uh, feedback, Instagram, uh, going back and forth with people from all over, email, same thing. And I'm getting a lot of good feedback. Um, they say it seems casual. It seems like we're just sitting at the kitchen table talking, and that's kind of what I want to go for. But if it's appearing like it's too much, like I'm just yakking at you, which I kind of am because you're just listening, or there's another way of delivering it, then I'd like to know that too so that I can get the message across. So thank you for all the recent feedback. Know that I'm open to all of it. I don't get butthurt. I tell people I don't care. I To say if I didn't 100% care is a lie, right? We all care about something. But I'm basically saying I appreciate that. I'm old enough and down the road far enough in life that I can understand what people's points are. So anyways, enough about that. So like I stated, we had those recent classes and we talk a little bit about expectations before we even get started on the simulations and and the sims and really down to the granular part of this firefighting career that we have. So we talked about, and I know I've mentioned in other episodes, but in case you haven't listened to those, having an expectation day one from the first day that you get promoted is big. And what I mean is an expectation of yourself, number one. What do you expect from yourself? Are you ready? Do you know where your holes and gaps are, where your weaknesses are, your strengths are? And are you willing to acknowledge them? That's huge. So um, what I do say is like day one, if you haven't listened to the other steps, day one, you should have an SOP, SOG plan of your crew when you're the captain. Doesn't matter if it's day one, you're working an overtime somewhere, you need to have those set expectations. And it's not a hard, fast rule, I say, because you need a framework to explain to your crew kind of what you're thinking. And I'll explain what I'm talking about, how I deliver that. It might be a review from some of the other episode, but it's just important because now we're solely focusing on expectations. <clears throat> so what do you expect from yourself? How ready are you to be promoted? Literally, there's these 25 people in my department that got promoted and we got word during the class that I was teaching from one of the chiefs that just had gone to a meeting that the rest of the list was probably going to get a phone call end of December into January. So those people that were in the class that hadn't got the phone call yet already know that their clock is running. They have maybe a month to tighten it up and get ready. And that's fine. That's just getting started. All of this stuff, and I'm going to tell you all the time, it's sets and reps and just doing it. Just OJT, falling on your face, learning how things work, and just building that, building up constantly. So let's see here. 
what I want to start with. Okay, so how and why do we set expectations? Is Aren't policies expectations? Kind of, right? I'm going to delve back and forth into what's a hard expectation, what's a rule, what's a policy, shalls, shall not, should type terms that get thrown around a lot. But why do we set expectations? Just think broadly in life. Do you have expectations of behavior, of how we speak to each other? Kind of. Like we have some kind of a framework of how life works. Well, we had the same thing in the fire service, obviously. Set expectations of how each of us are supposed to operate, what our rules and responsibilities are, um, or roles and responsibility, plus rules and regulations in each rank, uh, as you move up in rank, and then it almost seems like, right, it gets compounded. The more, the farther you go up the, the ladder, the more expectation you're inviting and expected. So let's see. If we didn't have policies, can you imagine what would happen? It would just be a free-for-all. So policies are made for a reason, not only based on an expectation that's set or a way a department wants to operate, tried and true history, uh, a tragedy, whatever it may be, has shaped policies, and then therefore an expectation, an expectation that you'll work in that policy. And granted, there's gray areas in some spots, and you can kind of interpret it the way you want, but there is a set expected behavior. So what I think it's important to learn from that one is know the policies as best you can, and know not only just because you want to be book smart and understand the policies, but you got to know how to operate within them. Then you have to know the policy as well in case somebody is using it against you or citing it wrong and is maybe enforcing something that isn't correct. So it's nice to know both ways. Things like a uniform policy. Why do we have a uniform policy? Why do we have to do our time cards a certain way? There's a set expectation that just becomes the norm. So let's see what else do we have here. So we have those set expectations that we all operate in. For the most part, it doesn't matter what rank you're in. There's standards one, there's standard expectations, and then each rank there's specific expectations. And I think I have it written out pretty well here, and we'll talk about it as we go. But from the beginning, what did it say is you should start at, right? You shouldn't start and worry about what is my crew like day one? Well, flip it the other way for a second. What do you expect of yourself? And I tell the guys that came to our class, I wouldn't say that they're not the problem. There's not a problem. But look, how motivated are you to come to a class on your day off, not getting paid, to be there and learn because you have an expectation of yourself? You have two ways of how people handle that. They either put themselves out there and just jump on the grenade and try to figure it out and take the heat. Or you have the other people that ignore it and try to slide under the radar. Then you got, I guess, somewhere in between there too. But we all kind of do that, right? Things that we're weak on. I know I do. I kind of shy away from it. But then when I realize what I'm doing, I'm like, okay, this sucks. I don't know what this is. I need to put myself out there. Please explain this to me. Or I need to go personally do some research on it. Whatever it may be. That constant self-evaluation also leads into expectation of yourself. So that's one big spot to start, I think. What do you expect out of yourself? And we try to remind people that they get promoted, especially in our department because it's a little bit bigger. They can come from different sections, 
40-hour fire prevention, public information officer, people that are already in operations and they're just moving up the rank, but maybe haven't worked in a specific area and then they get promoted into that area. And we've covered that with the brush, right? In our department, it's a pretty big component. Although some people will try to turn a blind eye to it their whole career and hope that it never lands that way. But you don't have, in our department, at least you don't control, at least at the beginning, where you go for the most part. You have some, but you may not have options. So it's not a good plan to hope you don't get put somewhere that you're not comfortable with. And if you do, you figure it out. You find somebody to help you. So before we go even far, the, what you expect out of your crew, you have that expectation of yourself. And then I've gotten some recent feedback, which is great, talking about expectations. So that's pretty much where I just said, okay, I'm just going to throw it out there now while it's still in my brain. And we set up these classes and talk about expectations before we even let them do simulations. We're explaining to these um, people in the class the expectation of getting through a sim, what you should anticipate. You've probably seen it in your career. Now you're just organizing it and putting it to work as the leader or whatever rank you're in. So what do you think your crew has an expectation of from you? What can they expect from you? Do you have, are you competent in your new position that you're going to go through? Competent to me is you've met the minimum. Obviously you're on the list. However it may be, I'm not going to go down that road because each department does it differently. Somebody thinks you're competent enough to be promoted based on tests, uh, experience, however, however it may be that you do it. And then what knowledge do you have? Classes, reading, how much motivation do you have? Are you the person, what is your motivation, I guess I should say? Because I get tired of people saying, hey, are you going to take the BC test? And I'm like, eh, I kind of go back and forth. I don't know if it's for me. And some of them right away, oh, the money's great. And that's like an immediate deterrent. Yeah, it'd be great. Yeah, sure. I would like to make more money. Who wouldn't? But at what cost? To, for me, personally. So what is your motivation for promoting? Do you think that bleeds into how well you're going to come across what expectation you have of yourself and all that. So at the beginning of my physical classes, even though we're sitting in a classroom, one of my first PowerPoint slides is, why do you want to promote? And I have that up on the slide, just that term. Why do you want to promote with a question mark? And I throw it out there to people. And it makes them think a little bit, but then I like to hear their reasons of why they want to promote. And for the most part, is it money, monetary? Some people. Is it some people want to be more challenged? Yeah. They want to run an incidents or do whatever they want to do, but yeah, it's all good stuff. So whatever that expectation you have of yourself or why you're doing what you're doing as far as promoting factors in by looking at competence, the knowledge you've gained already, your motivation. And then here's a big one to me is, if you don't think that your crew, at least there's two ways of, I guess, smaller department where everybody knows each other, they already know who you are. Probably know your whole background as far as your history in the department. And as you get a little bit bigger in departments, like you have to be at a department big enough to where you may have never seen this person before, never heard their name. You don't know who they are. So one extreme or the other. And I've worked in both sides departments, small three station department where everybody knows everybody, right? And it's even harder to promote because they maybe they have one position, two positions, 
and you have five people fighting for it. On the other scale, big department promotes a lot of people, but not everybody knows each other. And so you've got to factor in, look at the size of your department and how that works. So let me take the small one. Small department, everybody knows everything. Very hard to correct things that you've already done in the past, obviously. But you have to own it. And I know I've talked about this in previous episodes. You got to own that, what you've done, and try not to say, oh, well, don't. You can say, I don't do what I did. Yeah, I was young and dumb. I tell people all the time because I did a couple things, but I wasn't the guy. You guys probably, I'm assuming everybody has one in their department. The rogue person who's been rogue their whole career, and then all of a sudden they want to promote, and now they're towing the line. That's a tough one, right? That's the extreme. The rest, we've all kind of done stuff in between, but for the most part, we keep it going the way it is. Also own the fact that if you did something really dumb, just own it. Yeah, you're right. I screwed up. So follow my mess up and don't do that. So um, so I tell people all the time, if you don't think that, at least in our department, as soon as the list comes out, because it came out yesterday, of where all these people are going, what spots they're going to, everybody looks at everything because it has your seniority number, seniority number in our department. Doesn't mean that person doesn't have experience somewhere else from another department. But the seniority number that we go off of is your start date with LA County. So people look at that. It already makes a determining factor in their head, even though they don't know the, your previous knowledge or what experience you may have. Maybe you worked in another department for five years. All we see is a number. And the higher the number in our department, the less time you have on the job. In ranks, we don't. it's your number, your whole career, no matter what rank you are. So... And it drops an average of 100 to 120 because that many people retire a year. So about every year that you go up, you drop a number, drops about 100 on average. That's the number one thing they look at. Then they look at where you promoted out of, where you're going to, and then all of a sudden somebody's going to find somebody that knows you. And there's text messages going back and forth and knowledge and people are making phone calls. And that's before you even come in the door as a captain. As an engineer, as a firefighter, it doesn't matter, right? People are going to find out. So let them do their research. Let them find out about you. Because sometimes they're not going to get much out of it, and they're just going to have to figure out who you are, what your plan is, how you're going to fit in with them. And a good number of our stuff, well, this whole group that just got promoted, they're in temporary spots. It's not even their permanent spot. Somebody else is detailed somewhere off on injury, maybe at the training tower. So these newly promoted captains are the fill-in while those people are gone. So it's not even their crew, but that's what they have to do. That's where our department is right now. So we have to move people around and do all kinds of things. So you may be there only for a short time, but it doesn't matter because it's going to be the same when you work in overtime somewhere for 24 hours. You're basically the substitute teacher for 24 hours. You still should have an expectation and a way the day is going to go. Because 24 hours is a long time. Anything can happen. You don't want to try to figure that crap out when you're on scene. So, uh, where am I at here? Okay. Uh, I'm going to come back to that. Thing. But before I lose it, because I have a f- am famous for, I'll get back to that, and then sometimes I don't, which was a good comment that somebody brought up that says, I say that every once in a while, and I don't circle back to it, which is another term, right? Just joking on the side. How many times do 
you guys hear things in your department that people, it's like they created, what's the word of 2021 or 2020? I don't know. For some reason in our department, it's circle back. That's that. So makes me laugh. Anyways. All right. So in the previous episode four, I think it was your first day, I talked about having that expectation at lineup and I'll review it quickly here. But what I mean is you don't come in day one and have an expectation like you guys will do this. We will work out at this. We will come on. We know that's not going to work. So you ask, okay, how do things work here? And you put yourself out there and it's who's who in the zoo. And I think I mentioned that thing about being kind of like a dog park, right? You're the, you're the new dog in the dog park and everybody runs up to you and is trying to figure out what the heck's going on. So um, you're trying to find out about your crew. It's a lot to do right away. It takes time to learn all this stuff. So you kind of set that mild expectation, kind of who you are. You get information from your crew, who they are, what knowledge they have, trying to understand. And then, but I do think before you even walk in that day, you should have an SOP, SOG framework in alignment with your department and how it works. So therefore, hearkening back to the fact that you should know the policies, not just administrative policies, but operation policies. So you can create your own framework plus build on the experience you already have of how you would like to do things as you walk in the door day one, and then every day after that, how you operate or how you have a plan for something. Because not every day, obviously, gives you the time to have lineup and talk to your crew and do that. You could have that call as soon as you walk in the door. So obviously, that makes it hard on a 24-hour overtime when you may not know your crew and they've never worked with you. But at some point in the day, sooner than later, you should explain to them what kind of SOP, SOGs you have. And I don't need to get in great detail about it because each department's specific, but I'm talking things like apartment fire, first in, nothing showing. What do you expect a crew to carry? What do you expect them to do? What can they expect from you? Apartment, large apartment building, fire showing from the center. You can't quite find it. What's the plan? I give them a little bit of a loose framework. Brush fires, how to operate. TC traps where we get an engine, a truck company a paramedic squad, an ambulance, but each unit has a specific role. Sometimes they get intermixed by accident and the wrong people are doing the wrong thing, but I give them a little bit of expectation on what we should try to do based on the dynamic of the scene for each of those couple calls. And that's about it. Brush, I think I mentioned it, but brush, I give them a big thing about it because there's just brush in our area, in our region, California, Southern California. We either have the high desert type flat grass which blends into brush, but the majority of it being a valley floor where you have where I work now currently brush immediately surrounded by you. Very few flat spots, unless it's in a dry drainage uh, riverbed that we have. And there's grass everywhere. Sure. But not as wide open as uh, my previous station up in the Antelope Valley. So you got to kind of give them a little loose framework on that. Uh, what else? Okay, let me, before I, I don't want to skip over too much. So before I talk about too many other things here, let's see here. You should have an expectation of your crew based on their time on the job or your previous interaction with them. There's a set expectation. 
But after a few incidents, sometimes you notice like, oh, my expectation or my thoughts on what that person was capable of, or maybe you aimed low or you aimed high and maybe you need to adjust. But how do you fix that? You find those weaknesses or those holes. I wouldn't say, you know, whatever. doesn't matter. I'm not trying to be politically correct here. You find where you need to fix problems and you go fix it. And how do we do that? We train. So you spend that time, you have that loose framework day one, you're first couple shifts, say the first month. So 10 shifts or however your schedule works. Every day you're learning something about your crew, where they're strong, where they're weak, and they're feeling you out and you're kind of trying to pass on some knowledge and you're just back and forth, right? But as soon as you identify something that is like, whoa, we should already be at that level, then you go and work on that, right? You train. Because you could walk into a place where you're trying to keep up with them. You're equal with them. Maybe they're junior to you and really new on the job combination, which we have potential option in our department. I think most departments, right? You could have that new engineer with a new firefighter. It's rough, especially if they're new and never worked anywhere. So it depends on what level you're entering in, obviously what you need to work on. But my point is, and I joke about it, but it's, you've probably all seen it or heard it when Hey, we got a drill today, 10 o'clock. We're going to go pull hose or do whatever. And it's almost like you hear somebody set the maxi brake on the rig. You're like, okay, whatever. You got to ignore that. Don't take everything personal. All right. And you tell them exactly what you want, what time we need to be out the door. You give them your leader's intent, where we need to go, what we're going to do, what time you want to be out the door. Do you have to tell them how to be dressed? I would suggest it because you're going to get what they think and you're going to get what you expect. So we're going to, talk about that shortly here. So I don't want to quite lose that thought, but you better give them all those little bit of a leader's intent and then get to the drill and do it. Right. And then what happens once you've done that shows that you're confident, competent, at least to get them out the door, which it seems stupid. Like, what are you talking about right now? But those little things are the little deposits into what they think of you as a, as a boss. And then you're also seeing how they react to you when you give them a little bit of direction or, I wouldn't say an order, but a direction of what you want. And then they go do this drill, right? So whether they exposes them on things that they're weak on or whatever, you guys have all seen it. Unless you have the really big bump on a log guy that's just a pile that is just there for the money and the retirement. So what? Push them. But for the most part, you get those people and then once they do it, right? Everybody's cleaning up and grab ass and having fun or whatever. What do they say? Oh, we need to do that more often. That was really good, whatever it may be. So you have that initial hurdle to get over to get them there. And it seems like to me, in my experience, everybody's happy. You feel like you're doing something. You're not just running a medical aid or doing fire prevention or something. You're actually doing something oriented towards the fire side or a specialty thing like elevator rescue or over the side or whatever it may be. And then you see that motivation and that spark come alive. You need to run with that too. Now, you can't beat them up every day and try to do a drill like that every day because it's not practical. But it is definitely is worth doing it half the month. You need to identify what your crew is strong and weak at, where they need help, and maybe, well, not probably, maybe, they're going to teach you something too because it's going to be something, maybe you're not used to that area, you don't know that area, you need to lean on them as far as local knowledge and their experience, their backgrounds, whatever it may be. So it's kind of a give and take and it works out well.
All right, so let's continue on here. So I've kind of spoken that a little bit, but um, so I transferred stations in July, and I want to say it was the first day, maybe the second day, uh, that we have a battalion chief in my station, so he didn't have to go far other than to say, hey, sometime today we'll meet and go over a few things. Perfect. What is he telling me there? He's telling me, I'm going to give you my expectations of you. Perfect. So it works up and down, right? Of course, obviously. Fire officer or company officer or captain, whatever, lieutenant, whatever it may be, start of a leadership management type role. Obviously, there's a bunch above you. So it goes both ways. Now, as a new captain or even, okay, so I transferred. I've been on five years as a captain. So what? I already expect that when I go somewhere that the chiefs are going to have an expectation of me. They already know your reputation because if you don't think that what I talked about earlier where your crew is researching who you are, your chiefs are researching who you are as well. And that should be uh, anticipated. So don't think you're going to snow anybody or fool them on anything. It's not going to happen. Now, you don't need to throw yourself over out there and be like, oh, I'm a complete mess up here or whatever. Just whatever. Just know what's happening in the background and then move forward. <clears throat> Jeez, goodness. All right. So as a new captain, the chiefs have a different expectation or a different rules for you or maybe give you a little more leeway because you're still learning a lot of things. And it takes time to learn your new job. They don't have an issue with that that I've seen. But what you can't do is keep making the same mistakes. You just can't. Now, I'm not going to give you a number. But you know what I'm saying. You guys have seen the people who are constantly just can't get it straight, can't figure it out. You, you can't keep doing that, whether it's administratively, operationally. You can screw up plenty. I've screwed up plenty. I've been pulled to the side by chiefs and said, like, what were you thinking here? Uh, I need you to do it this way. 100%. No problem. Do I still screw it up once or twice after that? Probably but you can't just keep continually making the mistakes or can't be in the thing where you don't give a crap and you just keep doing it because you're just being a dick. So you can't do that. Uh, And I don't think anybody that's listening to this would necessarily do that, but you're going to see it. And that's fine. Let those people take the heat because it just makes you look better. Screw them. If they want to keep being stupid. And I'm going to talk about that in a little bit here. There's certain things that you need to let go of when you become the company officer that you just can't say. And we'll talk about that in a bit because you probably all have heard these. So there's an expectation as the leader um, of you, your crew, and what the chief thinks, not only of you as an individual of that company leading it and your crew members also because they're looking at everything, right? And then if the crews are screwed up, whose fault is that? And what do they look at? Granted, within a normal time, they don't expect you to be 100% right out the gate. You just have to see that you're gradually working towards obtaining that goal. So <clears throat> operationally and administratively, like I'm saying, that's your whole role now as a company officer. So what I was going to say was, how many times have you heard somebody say, oh, that person is great operationally, administratively, they're terrible. Okay, that's like knowing your weakness, no problem. And that's literally why we separate out the classes that we have operations and admin. And yeah, awesome. Sounds great. I want to go to administration class for free and sit on my own dime to try to learn. Well, but it's a big thing. 
and it's time management, and that's your new role. If you don't anticipate doing a lot more admin stuff as a company officer, don't take the promotion. Because what I was going to say was, how many times have you heard the guy say, I'm just not an office guy. I don't do that because I'm not an office guy. I'm not a computer guy. Bull crap. You are now. That's not an excuse. You can't go, I'm just not that guy. Because that's the wave of the future and it's here. So if you're going to be the old dinosaur guy who's been off forever and now you're going to promote, but yet harken back to, I don't do that or this and that. Yeah, good luck with that. It's not going to happen. So as much as it may suck and it's a new thing you don't want to learn, you better do it. Or don't, I don't care because it's just going to make it harder on you in the future. Those those things of I don't do that or that person's been around forever and that's not how I do it. Okay, see how far that gets you. It's not going to go over that great. So, <clears throat> all right. Now, every episode that I talk about, especially when I'm talking about a role that's management, is going to bleed into leadership. Now, I don't look at it and go, listen to me because I'm a leadership expert. No way. I like taking classes, reading books, doing all this stuff. Everybody has their opinion about leadership and what's right and what works and what doesn't. That's why you can study it your whole life in that position that you're in and go from there. So there's tons of books and I'm going to start referencing books that I'm reading by Instagram photos or just talking about them here. But currently the one I'm reading is um, a book about how more and what soldiers do. Is that the movie? Yeah. With Mel Gibson. That's how more, if you want to know. And he's a, he's a big time leadership guy. There's a lot of stuff on YouTube about him. Uh, anyways, that's the book I'm reading right now. There's a lot of good facts and I'm going to, pull some of those in a dedicated leadership uh, episode or show fairly soon. I'm just taking some notes on it because it's pretty impressive. There's all kinds of books out there. I'm not just citing that the one, but there's a bunch. So we'll talk about it a little bit here. Do you give your crew written expectations? Right away? Probably not. But they do have the physical expectation of what to expect in the SOP, SOG stuff we talked about at the beginning of the show, but written, I don't know. I kind of liked it. When I was promoted to engineer or driver, my captain, after the first month, sat me down and gave me kind of the expectation about uniforms and how the rig should be maintained and this and that, and I actually signed it. I kind of like it. I don't do it all the time now as a hard and fast rule because our probationary ones, probationary firefighters, they kind of come in with stuff like that. They already have it electronically in a notebook. And But when our personnel promote, they don't necessarily have that. So I almost think it's for the people, depending on how your department's set up, it's for the people that there isn't a structure already that they sign or they know as, as a probationary person because even in rank, you're on probation, at least with our department. And I think most six months is your probation in that promoted rank. You should, and that's, we can get rid of people, right? We can demote people. They don't pass their promotion. They go back to their rank they were before. That happens. But if you think you're going to have an issue with a person or you've already got a reputation with that person or you know how they are, you might need to dial that up sooner or make that part of your plan, especially if you think you're going to have a nightmare person. Because to try to go back and do paperwork is not going to go over well, and it's just not as clean. So look at what you're dealt with or dealt and try to figure out how you want to deal with it. So currently my crew, I have now a couple probationary people. 
they were already there before I got there. So that expectation was set. And I work at a dual house company. So there's another captain who had already set that standard. And I try when I move around. Well, I've only, this is my third time in as a different station as a captain. But the two places I've gone prior to after just being promoted were places that I kind of was able to pick and understand I'm working in a dual house. We had this conversation last night around the fire pit after hours and talking at work. Some people don't like to be in a station where you have two captains or two officers or whatever it is. They like the solo, be on their own type atmosphere because they can control everything. And as the other captain I was talking to yesterday was, he didn't want to necessarily be at a dual company his first six months or year as a captain because he said, I don't want to work somebody else's program. I kind of want to learn it myself and how to develop it. And I go, I kind of like that. And I was actually in the same spot. I was at a single engine with a paramedic squad. So just myself each day as an officer for the first six months. And you really do learn a lot and get your feet under you those first six months. And then I went to a dual house and I've been at dual houses for the last four and a half years. I like the dual house because it's a bigger house, usually engine and truck. And I just like having two captains, uh, two crews that we rotate through. You're not working with the same people all the time. And even though it's your same group, you're just, you know, this person's on the truck today, this one's on the engine and the engineers switch and all that stuff's cool. And I just feel like as a station engine and truck, we can get a lot done. And then you kind of learn how that person operates without even saying much to them. So it's kind of like that. I like that part of it. So take it for what it is and see how you want to do things. Do you want to do you need to come out hard right away, basically, because you know your person that you're going to is kind of rogue and you need to wrangle them in quick? You might have to deal with that. But you can't just pick for that person, obviously. Everything's level playing field. If you're going to do written expectations for everyone and have them sign it, or one guy because he's a pain in the ass or rogue and you're not sure, obviously you got to do it for everybody else. Now, there's a way to paint that picture and a way to do it. And I would say look at your crew for a month or so on average, even that person that's a problem child and just kind of see how they operate. Because if you just go off of reputation or I heard or third party based on somebody, that's obviously not good. We need to think a little more maturely as we do things, see how that people, let those people step on their meat. Because for the most part, none of us really change. We are who we are. It's very hard to change demeanor and character and, and also the crap as we get older or whatever may change. But for the most part, we're all kind of the same. I think. I could be wrong, but from studying people and looking how people are, they pretty much stay the same their whole life, I think. Even as they promote, get older, they're kind of the same. Sometimes people get more mature, obviously, but the ones that are kind of stuck in their ways are going to stay stuck in their ways. So look at it that way. Doesn't mean it's the only way to do it. Some people say from the get-go, they have the SOP, SOG talk about operations, and they give come out with a written expectations. Totally cool. However you want to do it. Just see how you're delivering and how that comes across. I'm not saying one or the other is right or wrong. It all comes about delivery and how you interject it and how you feel it needs to rerun. Like I said, I'm not the expert. I'm just trying to say things that kind of will make you start thinking. So <clears throat> the department has an expectation. Therefore, otherwise there wouldn't be rules and regulations and policies and a whole section on your test that's about rules and regulations and policies. And so there's an expectation. That is the expectation. And then you enforce that. And then you kind of have your own little standards too, right? And the gray areas. 
and you just got to be careful because some of them, if you're just being a dick just to be one because you're in charge, probably going to meet resistance. But if you have a rule that you stick to and you operate in that way and people know what to expect from you, it almost becomes autopilot. You just got to get to that point where people know what to expect from Captain Blank or Sergeant Blank or whatever, whatever your term is in yours, you know, interject your name there, that you're setting your standard expectation of how you operate. That's pretty much it. And I'll explain, not only do you have one, the company has one, your firehouse has one, even your battalion has one as a whole, right? The standard of what's expected when you work there or that reputation. So expectation and reputation kind of blend together a bit. So to me, the reason I'm saying all this is you have to explain what you expect from people or you can't be mad when they do what they think is right. I think you probably already know that, but you're maybe hearing it when I'm saying it going, I'm talking down to what hose line to pull. And you're going to go, well, that's micromanaging. That's not micromanaging. And I'll say how I'm saying is single family dwelling, fire showing out the front door on the alpha side, out the front door, out the window, whatever the hell it may be. And you're looking at it and going, that's an obvious inch and three quarters fire, transition it, whatever you do in your department to knock it down and then explain to the crew. But some people, because we have real lines in our rigs, so they're rolled up one inch line, very easy to just pull off on a drum and the engineer just gives you water. Some people will take a real line to that fire just because they've done it that way. It's quicker. They're worried about seeing the other rig come around the corner and think they're going to get beat dropping the hose line. You got to cut that out. And you have to explain by giving them the SOP, SOG framework. And then on scene, giving them a little bit of direction. And that's how I state it. Giving a little bit of direction so you're both on the same page. Because if you don't say anything, those people are going to do what they think is right. Not to make you look bad. They're just seeing one thing based on their experience, level, and knowledge and doing it what they think is right. You may have, or most likely, depending on when you promote, maybe you have a little bit more experience, a little more time on, or you've seen this thing. You got to give them a little bit of direction. Otherwise, you can't be mad at them when they do something if you don't let them know what you're thinking. So if that keeps happening or you have to correct that, it's not up to them to ask you, I don't think, because you have a set program as you roll up on scene of a house well involved and you're first in, right? That's the running down the road as fast as you can type atmosphere, giving out assignments, doing a size up, giving them direction, whatever, however your department operates. There's a ton, right? So if you can curb as many what ifs or not even what ifs, potential not on the same page scenarios, you got to start looking at the big picture and saying, how do I curb less things going rogue or not in alignment together. We're not on the same page. So a little bit of direction. Uh, let's see. Uh, hold on. I'm trying to read my notes at the same time, but. Oh, okay. So it's funny because I've been talking, both my daughters play softball. I've been talking to my wife because she's the coach of one of them and coaches both, whatever, maybe she's doing, she has a lot of involvement. And we're talking about personalities with 
10-year-old girls and parents. And it's like, I'm talking to her. I should almost record our conversations because we're talking about this type of human interaction and reaction to things and how they interject and trying to control people and looking at being a leader. And when you do this, they think this, and it's, it's crazy. I almost should record it and write things down, but it's everywhere. So not only is it just the fire service, but if you're that parent who's also a coach or is teaching your kid the, or doing this, or you run a side business on the side, it's like, it's everywhere. But it's just funny. I just started making me think about it. Cause what I meant was, is <clears throat> what I have written down is it's easier to come out hard in the beginning kind of set the rule hard than it is to come in and be Captain Good Times, which if you don't know what I'm talking about there, you can reference some of the other episodes. Captain Good Times is the guy who just wants to come in and be cool and wants everybody to like him. And then when they walk all over you, it is a pain in the ass to try to reel them back in and get them back to where you should have been from the beginning. So somewhere in between coming in as a hard ass and Captain Good Times, who's basically, as I state, a firefighter or an engineer who's dressed as a captain, doesn't really want to do the captain stuff, but wants to ride up in the right front seat and do all that crap, but wants everybody to like him so bad that they don't enforce the rule or the expectation. You got to find that thing. And if it was up to me, I would lean a little bit more towards coming out a little bit stricter in the beginning, mildly, then cranking it up or bringing it down based before you were the, I want everybody to like me and try to do this steep climb uphill because it's not going to happen. I mean, it could, but it's very difficult. So I don't know. Tell me what you guys think about that by emailing or Instagram, whatever. Let me know what you think on that one because I'm only saying it because I've experienced it. And I know what I'm telling myself. I'm doing Captain Good Times myself or I want this crew to like me or do that. You can't. And then once people learn what your standard or expectation or what your behavior is, that's the way it should be with them. And they should not have to guess how are you going to be today? Because the worst you can be is the captain who's hot and cold. You might've worked with those people. You're like, dad, damn, is this guy bipolar? What is going on? One day he's this way, the other day he's this way. And that can lead into a whole nother thing, which is going to be mental health, right? And and all sorts of things. That's a whole, I can't even, yeah. If I talked about that now, this would be a three-hour episode. I'm trying not to do that to you. Uh, So let me stay on track here, but you know what I'm talking about, right? You got to be somewhere in that middle with also looking at all these other factors. But all right, so... When it comes to the expectation and the why, we look at our um, IRPG, right? Our Incident Response Guidebook. And uh, that's one thing we carry. It mostly applies to the wildland. It's a small little pocketbook that we talk about, but there's a big section in there called Leader's Intent. And that concept is all over. It doesn't have to be just in this wildland arena, guidebook, whatever. Leader's Intent. Uh, what is your expectation? What is the goal? Why? You got to explain the why. It seems like, and you'll hear more people say, oh, millennials, the why. You got to explain the why to them now. All right, but I think a lot of people like that. What right looks like, why we're doing it, what to expect, how it should look when it's done. Not in that order, right? So you're explaining why we're doing what we're doing. 
what we need to accomplish, how we're going to accomplish it, what it should look like. I even like to throw in sometimes a time frame if I can kind of guess it, but that's the one I drop off the most, especially when I don't know how, to, how, how long it's going to take. So that leader's intent is big. And you look at it and go, well, how do I employ my leader's intent with this vast amount of things that I could expect from them? You reference the policies. So every year we have annual performance evaluations for each employee. And we have this whole section where you, oh, they say, okay, you got to review workplace violence and outside employment, all this other crap. And one is reviewing the standards of behavior. Like every year we should be reviewing the standards of behavior. Also, when you get a new employee in our department, you have 30 days to go over those same exact thing. The standards of behavior, all the things about our department that how are we going to operate? That's a set rule, even for a person who's been on the job for years. If they transfer into you and you're, they're under you, you're supposed to go over those things. And I'll break it down even as far as, not as far as, but simply like what my expectation is on uniforms, grooming, uh, station cleanliness, demeanor towards each other. It's, I lay it all out there. Okay. I'm going to continue on here. Uh, took a break there for a second because while we were doing this, I received a message for something that worked out perfect on the timing other than me needing to pause where I was on this whole rant or whatever I'm explaining here. And uh, I'll let you know about that in a second because I don't want to lose what I was talking about where we talk about the standards and the expectation. So if we go with simple simple as uniforms and shaving. So you've probably seen this. I think it happens everywhere. You're on your days off and you come to work. Do you shave when you get to work or do you show up shaven? Now, as a fireman and an engineer, I'm assuming, because I'm, I know when I switched, I used to do that. Not if I was off for four days and had like a beard. But if I had, was in between shifts and had that 24 hours off, get that 24-hour growth, I would just shave the morning I got to work, so it's 7 or whatever. Which, how many times have you been caught where you get the run at 7 o'clock or whatever your shift change time is, and now you go on a few calls, and now you're scruffy till lunchtime? Not the best, right? It's because you should have that higher expectation of yourself, and that doesn't meet the standard. So... Minor detail, right? Not a big deal. But how many times have you, or you're going to get this part as a new captain where, like with us, we have separate paramedic units that show up into our districts that aren't under your command, like out of your station. So they're showing up to assist you because you don't have a paramedic unit or they're another one. You know what I'm saying? And you see that person, that same exact scenario, except it's two to three days growth. And now it's one in the afternoon. And usually how I'll approach that is be like, hey, uh, guy's busy. Yep. All right. Did you eat? Yeah. Okay, good. All right. And then I'll jokingly say something like, oh, you're still waiting for your razor to charge or something. Just kind of messing with them. But that kind of sets the tone, right? That's not being a jerk right away. It's just reminding them. And then you're going to see it where it doesn't happen. Now it's four in the afternoon. That's stepping over the line. So to avoid that, the second spot I went to as a captain, the captain that I worked with now that counter, he always shaves at home before he comes to work. So he doesn't have that issue. And then you look at the bigger picture and you look better as you come in. Now your crew sees that and it possibly could trickle down. Maybe not. If you want it that way, you're probably going to have to say something. But 
these minor things. Another thing, uniforms, right? It's a big deal. We have a uniform for a reason. It represents who we are and what we represent to the community. And we have a blue-collar job with our name on our shirt. You have a uniform. There's a standard. Every department standard is different. But I work and live under the same department's jurisdiction. So bigger county agency, I work in the districts they cover. And as a civilian, I'm walking around and I don't identify myself. And not everybody knows that I work in this area or whatever. But like today, as an example, out in public, we're not supposed to wear hooded sweatshirts. That's just our rule. It's part of our department policy. We have a shirt with a badge and all that, and we're not supposed to wear hooded sweatshirts. We can wear the New York style ones with the denim pockets or elbows and the collar and stuff like that. That's acceptable. And there's certain jackets and things, but a hooded one, everybody knows isn't. And I'm in this grocery store as a civilian. And what's the first thing I see? One of the guys wearing a hooded sweatshirt. It like instantly pings off in my head. Now you can say I'm a nerd and I'm paying attention to things. And what's the big deal? Well, what's the first thing when you start really thinking about leadership stuff that you look at, you look at the captain and I look at the captain and the fireman that were on that crew. They are both in uniform shirt with their pants, everything. It's middle of the afternoon and the uh, engineer is wearing a hooded sweatshirt. So what's the deal? Do you say something as a captain? Now, granted, I'm grabbing this as a glimpse in time. Okay. Maybe the guy left his shirt at the station and that's all he had to throw on. Okay. I can understand that. But when you look at it quickly and you've seen how your department operates or how people operate and it's the same chronic person doing the same thing. Guess what you're going to have to do? As I mentioned in other episodes, as it being a captain, prepare to be uncomfortable. You're going to have to say something. And you're not being a jerk. You're knowing the rules, uniform standard rules, and you're just enforcing them. Now, <clears throat> I get it. Not everybody's a big fan of uniforms and, and being strict like that or adhering to it. Because then it creeps into Captain Good Times where you let the guys get away with things like that. Small things like that can become bigger things. So there's an expectation. So much so that the current station I'm at, the expectation is set before I even got there. Mostly because there's more chiefs there and, and it's more of a hub for everything. But after five o'clock, a lot of those chiefs and executive staff are gone. But you still see the crew in their uniform up until dinner. Then after dinner, they strip down. Where some crews, it hits 5 o'clock and they're already in shorts and t-shirt and everything else. It just depends on what station you work at and where that expectation level is. Now, I can appreciate that, but I don't expect that. So much so that the shift I'm with is on autopilot, basically. I haven't had to say too much. Enough to where the other day at lineup, I had to tell them what a great job they're doing. And that their expectation level is so high and they do so much extra work that I want to run to remind them that I appreciate that. Number one, acknowledge it, praise in public. And I wanted to remind them, hey, make sure you're doing that, but you're also taking care of yourself. Downtime, physical activity, doing your PE, doing your exercises, mental break from things so you're not just going 100 miles an hour every shift because that can burn them out too. But I, there, I, mean, I mean, honestly, there are days though, on a weekend where we're not doing that. But for the majority of the time, that's how they operate. And they were already doing that before I got there. So I acknowledge it. 
tell them what a good job, remind them. But then at the same time, I'm telling them, keep up that expectation and that standard, I should say, not expectation, that standard that they have, because that's going to go long in their career. And they're going to keep passing that on and passing that on and, and do well. So, but like I said, wasn't coming from me. They already did that automatically before I got there. So fortunately I have that. And there's been other times where I've had to do the opposite based on what crew I had or, um, yeah, basically what crew you have. So, all right. So what I wanted to say was I'd sent a message to one of the, what I talked about earlier in this episode about books that I read. Well, one of them that I highlight a lot and reference from a lot is a book called No Nonsense Leadership by Jared Sergi. Sergi, I think his name. Sorry, Jared Sergi, a captain in Norfolk, Virginia. And he's got a book. It's a a really good read. Um, That's what it's called. No Nonsense Leadership, a realistic approach for the company officer. Very good. Very straight to the point. Touches on a lot of similar topics that I'm talking about in his own way. And I literally have this thing flagged and highlighted. And when I do my PowerPoint presentations, I even have little uh, reminders to show me what page in the book that I need to reference while I'm talking about that specific point. And then I read from the book. So it's not just me talking all the time. But what I wanted to do was highlight a couple things about what he um, writes in here. And social media and the way we can connect now, I just sent him a message. He doesn't know me from Adam and... I sent a message explaining who I am, what I do, and asked for his permission to read from his book and and kind of push it out there a little bit. And he was uh, more than willing to allow that. And like I said, I just got that message. So I'm going to piece that into this uh, show. So what in this one section, I don't want to read a ton because I was highly, highly suggest for you to get this book. Uh, I think I got it on Amazon. Where else? Right. And a lot of good stuff. It's not a, a huge read. It's uh, what 140 pages long, but but a really good read. A lot of good similar things we're talking about. So um, I just want to read one section here that he writes about, and then another section that he even has a chapter on expectations, and then uh, we'll keep going. So, all right. So this one it's titled under "Look Out for Your People," and it kind of goes to where I was talking about with Captain Good Times, right? So. Um, They like working for this officer because he lets them do whatever they want. This is not looking out for your people. This is negligence. Looking out for your people means keeping their best interest in mind. It means focusing on their development and holding them to a high standard. Mix a little bit of accountability in there and you have the right recipe for success. Army General Bruce Clark once said, you owe it to your men to require standards which are for their benefit, even if they may not be popular at the time. I often try to remember what the general said here. I can remember as a firefighter, my captain held us to a very high standard. There were plenty of times where I wondered if he would ever crack. He didn't. I don't think I truly appreciated what he was doing and did for us until I was later promoted. It's almost scary how much I find myself doing the same things he did for me. Accountability is often viewed as a bad thing. It's not. Accountability grabs outliers who are getting off track and moves them back toward that path to excellence back toward that standard you have set. I tell all my firefighters, I will back you up all the way if you are right, but will hold you accountable when you are wrong. I mean, is that not what we're talking about here? Pretty good stuff. I like that one a lot. And then I'm going to mosey over to the expectations piece that I want to read, but I'm going to hold off on that time when I look at 
make sure I'm on track with everything. So, okay, here we go. All right. So as I was talking about uniforms, shaving, whatever it may be, you set that tone and what is allowed, just like we just talked about. So, um, is there an expectation on conduct on calls, training, um, fire ground expectations? We already talked about promoting. Is there an expectation to somebody for being promoting to helping? Like you should want to be a mentor. If you have the ability or the want or the desire to help people, then by all means, people want the help. Believe me, I'm not like some super wazoo person, but just the ability of me offering and myself and a few other captains that are doing this offering to help it's people just come out and they want the help. So if you have some knowledge or similar thing that I'm doing here, do it because I guarantee you there's people out there that want to hear what you have to say. So conduct on calls, that's pretty obvious, right? What happens when you have the burnt out paramedic or the person that just, you know, you're like, ah, man, as the officer or the scene safety, whatever the heck you want to call it, you're basically waiting for this firefighter to say something that's going to piss off a family member or the patient just because of their demeanor, right? Bedside manner. So, and I get it. There's tons of factors that can make that way in person working too much, mandatory on a holiday, missing a family thing, stress at home, all that stuff factors in and you need to attach, um, look at that in general. But if this person does it constantly, then you're probably going to have to straighten out that conduct on calls, how we're going to deliver service. That's what we're there for. Um, on training, if people have special talents, I try to bring it out of them because, you know, most firefighters are humble and they're not going to say, hey, look at me. I know all this stuff. Let me show you. Now, some guys are, but whatever. Who cares? You know who those people are. You're still getting something from them. It's just the way they deliver it. But you want to try to pull that out. And it doesn't really necessarily tie in with expectation, but I'm just talking about in general with people. We already talked about fire ground expectations. To me, that would be the SOP, SOG thing. Um, but how about off-duty expectations? Do you have a standard that you think your firefighters should operate in outside of work? Yeah. And another thing I go back to is that's a policy. Conduct unbecoming. That's it's that's just the quote piece of that I'm taking out. That's in our department policies, probably in most department policies, just written a different way. You're supposed to hold yourself the same way you would at home off duty and on duty, right? We walk around with fire department t-shirts on, stickers on our car. When times are tough, people hate us, right? Because when you look at it, an overall picture, for the most part, career fire departments, big cities or wherever maybe you're getting paid well, for the most part, but you're steady. Now, obviously there's bumps and this whole COVID thing is throwing things in that people may get fired or they're threatening. I, I You know what I'm talking about. For the most part, you're steady. Ups and downs and recessions, however it may be, this civil service job that we have is pretty steady. So I try to remind people of that and then remind them of the expectation off duty. Um, which again, if you had somebody who gets a DUI or getting in fights off duty or whatever, maybe there's something else going on mental health wise or whatever that we need to look at. But what I'm talking about is there's expectations all through life no matter what it is, not just the fire service, but you also have to, I think I talked about it in other episodes, but you're kind of like the father figure sometimes to some of these uh, firefighters under you. I mean, literally now I'm over the tipping point where 
We have firefighters on the job that were born in 2000, the same year I got hired. They were born. That's not that long ago. Not saying I've been on a long time, but I'm just saying we have 21-year-olds that are coming on the job, and they were born when you were coming on the job. So you're almost kind of that. You need to guide them a little bit too, even off-duty. And then look at it. In, in Southern California, if you're fortunate enough and you get on here, for the most part, you can make a very decent wage. You can imagine being 21 and making 100000 a year. My head would popped off if I was doing that. I was still working for an ambulance company. I think I was making six twenty-five an hour. You know, whatever. That's a stepping stone. But now imagine being that young and making this type of money. Crazy. So anyways, enough about me. All right. Another thing I noticed that's going to be huge, and I've mentioned in other shows, I think, but you can't be the cancer. You can't complain about the expectation. And what I mean is, as an example, and most departments probably have this, you're filling out the same forms once a year, whether it's your performance evaluation. Our department wants to know if you work outside employment anywhere and you just have to put yes or no, whatever. It's more of a pain in the rear to log in to the website to do that than it is to just click yes, no, enter your information and send it. But it becomes this huge thing with people like, oh, and then the captain's complaining at the table. Well, what do you think the crew's going to do? They're going to complain as well. You just tell them how it is. Hey, guess how many more times we're going to have to fill this out? However much more time you have on the job, that's how many more times at a minimum you're going to have to fill it out. Because inevitably something happens with our program, you end up having to do it two or three times every year. Whatever. So what? But if you sit there and complain about it, it just allows the crews to complain about it too. Then it just becomes the norm. Then it becomes sour hour every time. Just constant complaining. Blah, 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 blah. It's like white noise of complaints. You're like, are you kidding me? Look at what we have. And all of us need that tune-up every once in a while. Of hey, You're complaining about something. I'm guilty of it. When we were getting mandatory pretty hard in a battalion that I was in as a captain, it was hard for me not to just fly off the handle because I was getting mandatory 10 o'clock at night when I'm going home the next morning, allegedly. Now I'm at two, three, four days in a row. And that happens. But I have to remind myself or be gut-checked by somebody else too. Like, um, you do realize what this job provides for you. So I'm guilty of it as well, of being out of touch with reality. So I'm not preaching to the choir. I'm just telling you I've done the same. All right. So I'm going to get ready to start wrapping some of this up. But let me go back to the book before I get too sideways off because the last couple things aren't, uh, there's still expectations up, but it's kind of outside of your control. So, <clears throat> all right. So I'm going to go back to his book where he talks about expectations and it's the chapter. So uh, he states uh, at the book here, uh, let's see. These are four simple pillars that when expressed to your crew should capture the lion's share of your expectations, a company officer. Four things, be ready, look professional, act professional, take care of each other. I mean, that pretty much sums it up, right? In the last piece here, I don't want to, I want you to read this book. So I don't want to sit here and take it all apart, but I'm telling you, there's some excellent things in here. And the last thing I want to add on out of the book is the more you expect people to perform well, the more they will. If you expect nothing from them, guess what you get in return? Kind of a rhetorical question, right? You already know. Or you should you should know what's going to happen if you don't expect something out of them. So 
Anyways, like I said, Jared Sergi, Sergi, No Nonsense Leadership, buy it. Excellent book. I uh, will link it into the show notes as well. And like I said, I reference it all the time. If you look at mine, it's got yellow flagging from posted things, highlighted. It's a great book. All right, enough about that. And he didn't ask me to say any of that stuff. We literally are just communicating on Instagram. I just wanted to make sure he was okay with me referencing his material. But anyways, you can go follow him as well on his Instagram account. Great stuff. I'll link that as well. And uh, another great person who's doing some good things over on the uh, East Coast side. All right. But once again, social media touches everybody. All right. Uh, Let's see. Okay. So as we wind down, I start thinking about things because you hear this one too. There's, I talked about individual, your people, what people think your bosses expect. And now you start looking at the bigger outer circle rings. What does your station, your shift represent as an expectation to your battalion, to the rest of your department? Most of the time, well, I guess it does affect your department because people know certain stations, certain battalions, and even individuals when they look at, because now you can see all the staffing on our phones, we can see who works where. But it's funny because I'll hear things that I might be repeating myself from previous shows, but I'll hear things just currently in the station I'm in now, which isn't some crazy hammer house in some crazy battalion, some hardcore area. It's not that, oh, I don't really like working overtime there. I would never bid there. They're talking about our station we currently have. And I go, okay, why is that? What, tell me, what what is it? I want to know what you guys think we do over there. And it's literally like, oh, I've heard people say, oh, you guys train a lot. You're constantly doing stuff. You have projects all the time. And I just let them kind of go without interrupting them. And then I go, okay, well, all right, you're right. Yeah, we work out together. We have formal lineup. There's, oh, computer freaked out there for a second. Okay, let me catch back up where I was. Um, Like I said, no cell phones at the table, whatever. That's just a respect thing because it's distracting. Now, if we're going to do videos and all that stuff from a a training, fine, grab your phone. But you know what I'm saying? Otherwise, people are looking at Facebook and Instagram while you're trying to have a lineup. That's not happening. Yeah, we sand ladders. We do all our work. We do projects. We do extra things. We do training. And we go on a handful of calls. We play, we cook every night for dinner. And we play card game afterwards for camaraderie. And I tell people, I go, what's wrong with that? Because I think you have some people who think they just want to run, do check out their stuff in the morning. Probably, yeah, yes or no, maybe cook dinner together. And then go to their rat holes and sit in their dorm and do whatever. That's That's fine. You can have that agenda. But honestly, when people tell me all that stuff, I go, perfect, because that's what I want. And the guys I'm working with want that. And otherwise, they wouldn't be there, right? So I kind of like hearing about what other people think of how your program is ran. And whatever. I mean, you can take that for what it is, but it is kind of different hearing that. And I've worked at stations that have reputations from people that worked there way before I ever worked there or an expectation of how that station operates uh, how you conduct yourselves, traditions of that station. I've worked in a handful of those, and I kind of like it because, yeah, we're riding on the coattails of some of the people that were there, but we're also keeping those traditions alive. 
from those people because you still hear their names mentioned even after re- they've retired. So I'm good with that. And I'm not saying I will ever be one of those people. What I'm saying is that's the kind of firehouse I want to be in. That's what's important about this job, not just going on calls because there's a lot of crap that you see. But when you can take it to the next notch and you can say, oh, it's nerding out or whatever, you're right. You know what? Then fine. I'm a fire nerd. I don't care. I'm not crazy about it all the time. And that's not everything I talk about at home or off duty. I, I mean, the older I get, the less fire department stuff I have as far as I don't wear t-shirts, sweatshirts, any of that, unless it's a special occasion or a special day. But people know, people are going to know who you are and what you do. So anyways, enough getting off my soapbox. So um, let's see. So as we wrap it up here, I want to think, I think I've covered a good amount, but I may have left some doors open. So hit me up with anything and go, well, you started here, but expand on this. And I'm down with that because we can revisit these topics and build on them. It's not like just because I talked about one thing, I'm going to say, no, I can't do that again. I'll, um, I'm very open to what I may not be coming across or I didn't say enough about or what I'd like to hear from people. So, so as a wrap up, um, constantly you need to evaluate your expectations. Do you have high expectations or do you have unrealistic expectations? Because if you sit there and go, okay, I've set this standard and I've given it time to breathe and I've tried to mold them the way I want. One of two things happens. Either you just have a rough crew that's going to take more time or you have people that are going to dig in and not going to do anything you say. That's, that's almost a lose lose. It's very tough because then it's just increasing frustration trying to come to work or do you have unrealistic expectations that if you had somebody go, let me tell me your honest opinion. And then they're like, sure. I thought you'd never ask. Yeah. You're a clown. You push them too hard. You have unexpected, unrealistic expectations. You know what I'm saying? You have the people that need three drills a day and um, just trying to tank people, trying to show them up. I mean, granted that doesn't happen too often, but definitely people out there like that. So, Obviously, you don't want to be necessarily that person, but it is okay to get gut checked every once in a while by people. And I appreciate when people say things, but it's uncomfortable for them, right? So they're probably not going to come up to you and be like, hey, jerk off, you're a jerk or whatever it is. But if you ask them, maybe, maybe they'll be a little honest with you. So remember to always look at how you're doing things, how things are approached and said and, and reached because... It's this is a constant evolving thing. We're just constantly trying to learn, right? You're trying to be better. And sometimes we set this unrealistic expectation and then we realize, oh, that didn't work. Maybe I was a little too harsh. Let me bring it down, change the angle of the slow climb that I'm going to do here and change everything one degree and see what it does. It's a constant massaging of trying to make things work. So uh, let's see. I'm whew. I don't know. I'm an hour and 15. I think it's the longest episode I've ever gone. So who knows? You might've already turned it off. But like I said, if you have something that I opened the door to and I didn't expand on enough, I'm going to send a link, everything at the bottom for email and Instagram, hit me up. And I'm more than willing to uh, address whatever it is. And if there's ways that I can do things better, I would appreciate that honesty too. Until next time, have a good day and remember to keep moving forward. Well, that's it for episode five, Expectations. 
Thank you for taking the time to listen to that episode. It's a little bit longer than some of the other ones I've done, but I think that's going to be about the average time, maybe shorter sometimes. But as I mentioned multiple times, I'm interested in hearing what you have to say. If for some reason I opened the door to something and didn't expand enough and you'd like to hear more, then please contact us. My email is thefireofficerproject at gmail.com. It's all spelt out like that. And on Instagram, it's thefireofficerproject. And then we also have a Facebook page, Fire Officer Project on there. And I don't do as much with the Facebook. It's more the Instagram and uh, email. So feel free to send me anything that you'd like. We can connect. And then as I keep going and building this out, I got to do a little investing into buying a few more microphones. And I'm going to start setting up uh, some interview type episodes. So until next time, have a good day. Keep moving forward. And I appreciate all the support you've given me.